There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, what can we make of the two games the Suns and the Warriors played against each other last week? What the heck is going on with the Blazers? Is it time to blow things up in Portland? Plus, shh. Don't tell anybody, but the defending champs are playing some pretty good ball right now. We check in on the Milwaukee Bucks with someone who has followed them since he first was able to bounce the ball. But first, Darlene, get us started. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Welcome to Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Otto Strong, along with my partner filling in for Aaron Berlin, our CCO, executive producer, Bruce Bernstein. Bruce, how's it going? Hi, Otto. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you. Hopefully, Aaron will return next week after being under the weather. But uh, thank you for having me. Oh, please. So, you know, you're, the, you're the guy who makes the, makes the show go around, right? <laughs> so uh, a pleasure to have. Hey, so, um, you know, we're at that, that interesting time of year where in the NBA calendar where, you know, we're, we're, we're looking with some anticipation into, um, into, into Christmas Day games. We're past the quarter pole. And, uh, you know, we're coming off of a, of a recent stretch where we had uh, two really good games, high-profile matchups, Suns and Warriors. Um, they both, you know, split their, split their games, both won on their home floor. Um, what have, what, do, we, do we learn anything from, from, from those two games? You know, the teams are now 20 and 4. I think what we've learned is that at age 33, Stephen Curry is really playing some of the best all-around basketball of his career. Um, He's averaging just under 28, 5.6 boards, six and a half assists. Uh, His excellence has become routine, and that's why guys like him go to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, a couple other guys I think have really stepped up a lot for them. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is finally kind of hitting his stride, uh, averaging almost 19 a game. Uh, And Jordan Poole from the University of Michigan, uh, averaging almost 18. So, they're going to have an interesting situation with Poole when Clay Thompson comes back because Jordan Poole will probably become the sixth man and, uh, you know, bravo. And, you know, but the team, the Warriors team is leading the NBA in a bunch of team stats. Here's a few. I'm not going to go heavy on this, but point differential. They're, when they're, they're outscoring their, their opponents by 13 points a game every game. Okay. Yeah. Rebound differential. They're leading the league plus 5.5 assists differential. So they're moving the ball much better than their opponents are 7.3 more assists per game than their opponents and their opponents field goal percentage, which I've been told by a number of coaches is the most important defensive stat opponents field goal percentage, just under just over 42%. So Otto, uh, this team can score points 
But with Draymond Green kind of running the defense, they are the top defensive team in the NBA, which is pretty remarkable. It's fun to see a team that's, you know, not just relying. I mean, obviously they can light it up and, and, and you know, fill the cup up as it were, but it's also nice to see them be able to, 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 to kind of, you know, go that other way and lock, lock down folks if, if they have to. And I mean, a team like that, I just, I just don't know, uh, you know, for projecting it all the way out, who's going to beat them four out of seven. I mean, that, that's basically what I, what I said when, it start, when the season started, you know, with the anticipation of Clay coming back, I will be, First, to say, you know, I'll say this: that I did not think that they would be doing, you know, this well with with, with without play. But you know, um, hey, that's why they play the games, right? Well, I think one team that could beat them in a four out of seven series is the team that you mentioned along with them at the top of the show, uh, the Phoenix Suns. They mm-hmm. are going to be playing each other again on Christmas, so we'll see. You know, that that'll be kind of like the rubber game, I guess, in the in the in the trilogy uh, mm-hmm. this year, but. Here's a couple numbers on the Suns that I think are really interesting. They have nine players averaging nine points per game or more. Nine players averaging more than nine points a game. And I think six of them are averaging double figures. Okay. So that's a team that is balanced. It's deep. Uh, They can play aggressive because if they get in foul trouble, they got guys coming off the bench that are legitimate, you know, scoring threats and, and, and good two-way players. But JaVale McGee is a name you don't really hear too much. Now, Mm -hmm. JaVale McGee and DeAndre Ayton, who you do hear a lot about, their combined numbers per game, okay, because they're basically splitting the minutes. If you look at the stat sheets, between the two of them, they got the 48 minutes covered at center, okay? Right, right. Between the two of them, they are averaging 26 points and 18 rebounds a game, okay? And both of them are significant presence in the lane on defense so again they've got a good backline defense they've got good perimeter guys they've got probably the best floor general in the nba right now with chris paul who mm-hmm. you know as as greg anthony told me many many years ago he's there chris paul he gets what gotta get got and that's how chris <laughs> paul is whatever the team needs he bring he gets it for him Uh, So I would say I would give Phoenix actually a slight edge on Golden State looking down the road. But again, Clay hasn't played yet and they're 20 and four. So your point is extremely well taken about when he comes back is is are we back to the 2017 Warriors all over again? And, and, right, and I will. I will concede that yes. That, you know, so there is a team out there. I mean, I, obviously, we're the Phoenix Suns, but you know, until just I don't know until it happens, until the team can can you know, you know, in that in that in that kind of matchup, um, but hey, I, you're you're right. You know, I mean those those two seems like they're destined for for a deep series. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a Western Conference series, and and uh, you know we'll 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 go from there. Um, I want to. Um, I I did have one more thing I wanted to add. Oh, sure. Mention Draymond Green. Okay. Yeah. I want Aerosmith to do a remake of Dream On, <laughs> and I want it to be. <laughs> Draymond, Draymond. <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh, only you know no, So if we're gonna if we're gonna go down that road, now I find it especially touching that that you were gonna you know tap a Boston band to to create a a cheer song essentially for the Golden State Warriors, a team that you know <laughs> a few years ago could have been a finals matchup. Uh, but but well, last yeah, that... year, last year I wanted the Beach Boys to do a, a version of Barbara Ann for John ja Morant. You know, ja, 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 Morant. So, so I, I have, 
these really like twisted sicko thoughts in my head about music and basketball. And they mean absolutely nothing other than I shouldn't eat anchovies so late at night. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, it's it, so as we look around the league and kind of canvas, because we're going to, we're going to uh, be talking with, uh, um, with Rob Peterson about the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're going to get to them in, in a moment, but um so, you know, you're, you're an Eastern Conference guy, you're, you know, you're a Celtics guy, but you're always looking at the standings and, you, you know, the Knicks are a team that, you know, you've got this love-hate, more-hate relationship with. Um, <sighs> a lot, a lot of hate, which I, I to- <laughs> totally, totally get that. I have, I have a lot of hate with them at, at times, you know, um, as I don't know, a lot of Knicks fans have over the years. Um, but they've uh, lost three in a row, four of their last five, and, the, you know, there's start, starting to be some questions with regard to the team's identity. Um, team has removed Kemba Walker from the rotation and the defense, which has really been a strength has not exactly been kind of as, as you know, that, 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 that presence that we were, that, that us Nick fans were, 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 uh, were liking to see in years, in, you know, last year. So what, what do you, what do you make of what, what's going on with them? Well, as we know, uh, they took Kemba Walker out of the rotation recently. Okay. Um, so if you want to talk about, you know, why their defense has taken a step backwards this year, the two guys that were on the Celtics last year that are on the Knicks this year, Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, neither one of them is really very good on defense. So I think when you have 40% of your lineup, again, before Kemba was removed from the rotation, you're bound to be worse defensively. You know, jo- uh, uh, Julius Randle has been fairly consistent this year. He's averaging 20 and 10 and 5.3 assists. But I was looking through their game results this year, and he seems to score better in the games they lose than in the games they win. So again, that might mean absolutely nothing because it's fairly close. I mean, he averages about 21 in their losses, and he averages about 19 in their wins. So it's not a huge difference, but I'm just, you know, I don't know. Some, you know, it seems to me that he should be scoring better in their wins than in their losses. So I don't know what that means. But one of the things that, that you know, their, their point differential, they're 20th in the league right now. So, uh, and they're, you know, they're not a great rebounding team either. I mean, they get rebounded, you know, most nights. So, um, you know, I think they play hard. RJ Barrett was out. He's back. Um, You know, it's too soon to throw dirt on the Knicks for this season. They still have time to get it together, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure Knicks fans were hoping for much more uh, than an 11 and 12 record after 23 games. Well, you know, rebounding in the ball has always been a, a you know, I go, I'm, I'm one of those Oakley guys going, going all the way back in Mason. You know, that, the, those were always the, you know, the, the, the blue collar mentality, you know, getting in there, working, working for your, working for your opportunities. And so if you're not doing that, I mean, you're basically, you, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Well, when you're not a good rebounding team, that also makes you not necessarily a great defensive team because every defensive possession has to end with you controlling the defensive rebound. And if you don't, um, that is definitely, you know, I mean, that's a, that's something the Celtics have struggled with for years and years, you know? Um, So yeah, unless you're going to secure those defensive rebounds um, you can play 23 seconds of great defense and then, you know, piss it away by giving the other team 14 more to shoot and then they get a bucket. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, yeah, that's a frustrating situation that we could talk a lot more about. Um, let, let's swing back over to uh, we're going we're gonna to hop the plane and go back across country one more time. Um, so everyone gets a lot of frequent fly miles this week. I guess that's that's how we're doing it. But um, so Portland, um, the Trailblazers. It, it seems it seems like it's just a kind of a mess going on out uh, out there. Um, Neil O'Shea has been let go. The team has been struggling. Chauncey Billups, new head coach has already called out the team for their effort and attitude. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the, the, look, this, this team starts and stops as it always has you know, in the last, I guess, what, 10 years with, with Dame Lillard. You know, is, is he happy? Is he going to stay? Is he not stay? You know, what's going on there? So um, it, it just, it feels like it's just, how much more can this guy take? I mean, this, you know, if you were on any other team, it seems like he would have been in the finals or at least, you know, conference finals multiple times if not the finals, uh, you know, at least once. It would seem like that to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the problem with with moving Dame Lillard is, is that, you know, Portland's going to want a boatload of everything for him. Um, and, you know, Dame Lillard, is if he's traded, needs to go to a team that has a chance to win. And what happens there is, if for a team that has a chance to win, are they really going to want to trade like, maybe their two best players and a number one draft pick for Dame. I mean, that almost, you know, seems like a step backwards as great as, as Dame is. Um, but I feel kind of bad for Chauncey because, you know, obviously you and I both knew him at ESPN. We were very fond of him as a human being. He's a great guy. I think he will be a great coach. Um, but it's a mess there because, all right, he's a rookie coach. The guy who hired him just got fired. All right. The 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 ownership of that team for years, it was Paul Allen, the Microsoft gazillionaire. Uh, his sister, Jody, is the governor now. But from what I've read, she doesn't really take a very much of a hands on approach. So um, it's almost like, you know, Chauncey's at the wheel of a rudderless ship right now. And, and it's it's in some pretty choppy waters. And, you know, um, doesn't really they don't really look like a playoff team right now and and in portland uh they're always expecting to be a playoff team no they are but at this i mean i'm just thinking about more than anything else more than chauncey because like you said i think chauncey will you know have his opportunities other seasons will you know to show what he can actually you know what he can really do with a with with an organization that's kind of all moving in the same direction as opposed to you know having these internal struggles um but but dame i mean i i just i feel for the guy because I mean, he's, he's one of those elite talents who, you know, I feel like NBA fans are being robbed by not having a chance to see what he can do on the game's biggest stage. And I, and I, I get, you know, certainly get the, the business of the game. Um, and I mean, I was looking for a handout, but at the same time, like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's a tough, it's, it's a, it's a tough one to solve. And I, I don't, I just don't know how that one, how that one's going to get solved in a way that's um, going to leave both sides feeling, feeling somewhat decent about it. All right, so Portland's kind of down, but Milwaukee lately has been way, way up. And here to discuss the defending champions, our pal Rob Peterson, the NBA editor for The Athletic. The Milwaukee Bucks got off to a slow start this season, but they've been playing much better of late. The defending champs have won 10 of their last 11, and as we tape this show on Tuesday evening, they're third place in the Eastern Conference standings. To talk more about the Bucks and some of the other news going around the league, we bring in my neighbor, my friend, my former <laughs> colleague at ESPN and Otto's former colleague at ESPN, the one and only Rob Peterson, senior editor with The Athletic. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. It's good to see you guys. And uh, I love the stuff that you guys do. So uh, thanks for having me on. Really Not appreciate it. Let's start, you know, when, when last we spoke, uh, you were in the process of jinxing Giannis Antetokounmpo in the finals. That is correct. As, he, as, he, as you came <laughs> on the show and in the next game, he hyperextended his knee and sat out a game and the sky was yeah. falling on Milwaukee. But... I, and but, I think I mentioned to you in passing that I might never do a Pro Hoops Media uh, podcast again because of that, but it all turned out great in the end. So I'm back. Thank you for having me. But uh, yeah, I don't want to be. I don't want to be Bucks cooler. Uh, that would be. Uh, that would be bad. I'd have. I don't want the city of Milwaukee against me. I love my people back there. So uh, I think we'll be okay this time. But it was. It was weird. It was just. It's, you know, you're watching that game, game four, and then all of a sudden he goes down in a heap, and you're like, oh my god. This is the end. This is the Wisconsin sports jinx that we've talked about for years. So, um, and I've written about actually on the athletic, like how close, how close Wisconsin sports teams, sports teams have come to uh, winning championships with the occasional Packers title. But yeah, it was weird. And then lo and behold, he came back and his performance in the finals was, was, was one of the best. Well, Luckily for him, he was able to overcome the jinx of Rob Peterson yes. and, and come out and lead the Bucks <laughs> to their first championship in 50 years. You know, the, the SI jinx is dead, but the Rob Peterson jinx, that it might still that might still be a thing. Although, like I said, the, the Greek freak overcame it. Yeah. But now he's back and he's and he's balling like he always is. And yep. he scored 27 and 27 minutes on Monday and he went over the Cavs. He'd missed the previous couple games due to soreness in his right calf. So uh the word on Giannis after the game on his injury, is the team kind of concerned or are they feeling like this guy is going to be fine? I, I think, you know, I think one of the things uh, they have this year is there's a calmness. They're, they're playing. It feels like they're playing with house money in the sense that they've won a title. Uh, they don't have to burn through the NBA in a regular season to prove to everybody that they're a great team. Uh, they know they're a great team. They've proven they're a great team. Um, yes, you'll get some people who's like, oh, they won an injury title. I'm like, any title is going to have its share of injuries and luck and bounces. Just ask the Raptors when Kawhi hits four, the rim four times. It's like, you're going to have that. So I think this year with Giannis and, and Bud and the philosophy behind it is that they don't have to rush these guys back. So last night, Giannis scored 27 and 20 minutes. Bud said he wanted, uh, Giannis wanted to play longer. He was going to let him because he's coming off the, the, the calf twinge. And, you know, it's like they don't need to push you on this 38. They don't need to push these guys 35 minutes a game. Uh, one of the reasons being is that they have a familiarity and a comfortability with each other. Uh, Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. And they're getting contributions from guys like uh, Pat Connaughton and um, Bobby Portis. And, uh, you know, they're – Guys that you, you know, usually who are on the bench are providing starters minutes. Grayson Allen, um, who has been a, a nice surprise coming over from Memphis. So there's, there seems to be a, just like a level of calm. There's no rushing. There's no stress. I mean, there's stress, obviously, but it doesn't seem in the past you'd have, they haven't won a title before. Can they win a title? Um, then before that, it was, will Giannis stay? Will he sign the extension? We got to keep him. We got to win so we can keep him. And there's none of that this year. You know, there's there's concern about injuries. You don't want to you don't want to get anybody hurt. But if you if you follow Buck's Twitter, you you know you read Eric Name on the Athletic, you just know that these guys are working towards something greater than 
blasting the blasting the the Cavs by fifty. They won by eight last night, I believe. But blasting by blasting a team by 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 fifty during the regular season that serves them no purpose right now. Hey, Rob, so you mentioned um, Chris coming back. You mentioned Drew Holiday coming back. Uh, so just, I, I don't think we said this specifically, but just to put it out there, so Giannis, mm-hmm. Chris, and Drew are undefeated when they're in the, when they're in lineup together, um, and it, they definitely have a have this air about them where, you know, you know, like so many elite teams, it's just about being right for April. Um, mm-hmm. And in addition to you know Pat Connaughton and other con- uh, other contributors, uh, are there other factors that play kind of behind the scenes that we may not be aware of? Uh, I think one of the things that that you're looking at with the Bucks now is that they've made some good moves in the offseason to augment the losses. I mean, PJ Tucker was inter- integral part of the championship last mm-hmm. season, you know, and they had his bird rights and they could have signed him to a long term contract, but he's 36. And so, what do they do? You know. They, they build around the edges in a different way. You know, um, they just picked up Wes Matthews, uh, somebody who they're familiar with in their, um, in their system. He was with them in, in 20, George Hill. Um, uh, they signed Boogie Cousins, who, think of it this way, if Boogie could just give him 20 minutes a night, you know, he's an all-star caliber center. Yes, mm-hmm. he's had a lot of injuries, but he fits great. He, uh, he, he, he can pass the ball. That's what this offense is. Yes. You can get Giannis going downhill. Yes. You can get Chris isolating on a smaller, on a smaller guard. And yes, you can get Drew breaking somebody off the dribble. But when you have everybody else, you're finding spots. They're finding spots in the dunker spot. Uh, They're finding guys in the corner. They're finding guys open in the corner. And that just, that just gives them another dimension. And so I think one of the things you have now with the books is they're not just Giannis. You know, when he tried to break through that wall in 2019 with Toronto, when they had the struggles in the bubble in 2020, they've, they've figured out ways to beat you where it's just not one guy or one method. So, um, and I think that's credited, but he, he was, they said he couldn't make adjustments and he's made, he's made a ton of adjustments. You know, uh, it's not, you can't build a wall against him anymore. And if you do, Giannis recognize it. And he's like, I know this guy's over here. I know this guy's in the corner. I know this guy will be cutting. Um, I know this guy will be behind me. So it's that level of familiarity and comfortability uh, that they have with each other, with the offense, with their coach. Uh, They can make adjustments on the fly. Um, So they look like they've been there before. And when you have a, and I think that's, you know, one of the Suns things is that, yeah, they didn't win the finals last year, but they're playing like they've been there before. You know what I mean? In terms of, in terms of this works and we're going to keep it working. So, and I think that's what the Bucks have figured out. They, they know what works and they're going to continue to do that and improve on it. So normally the defending champs would be getting all kinds of attention put on them, uh, you know, in the first season after they won it as they work to defend. But most of the talk this year has kind of been on the Warriors and the Suns, both 20 and four at the time we taped this thing, not mm-hmm. to mention the really nice start by the Chicago Bulls the Lakers kind of stumbling out of the gate a little bit, Um, Kyrie and his vaccination kerfuffle, all that stuff. So meanwhile, Milwaukee's quietly getting their act together. You know, they've, they've overcame having Chris Middleton out. That was a huge loss Mm -hmm. for them. And when he returned, the team was almost transformed immediately. Uh, So they're going about their business, they're winning games, but they're basically operating kind of under the radar is uh, is this the type of team that prefers to be operating under the radar, not necessarily looking for all the uh, attention or scrutiny? 
It seems like it. It seems like they have and a little bit of a Midwest vibe. Now, for anybody who hasn't lived there, I live there. I grew up in Milwaukee and then I moved out to the East Coast in 1999. So I've had the like the hustle and bustle of New York and I've had the laid back uh, bringing that in Milwaukee. And I think one of the things they like in Milwaukee is that it's like we're just getting our, our job done. And I'm not saying that you don't in other cities, you don't like to get the job done, but it's like, just let me do what I need to do and let me do it. They just want to play ball. I, I don't think they're worried about the drama, the mess. There are going to be some teams that, you know, the Warriors, they, they've been down the past couple of years. Now Steph is going supernova again. And Kyrie, I mean, and, and, and Clay is going to come back. And then, you know, you have the Suns who didn't, or were close last year and now they're back. So you're in, doing the work and, and getting the job done when you've already run a championship is not necessarily an exciting thing. You know, it's, 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 it, there's, there's nothing the Bucks are doing right now that are going to grab headlines. Right. They're third in the East. Um, yeah. They've won uh, nine of their last 10, but they're just, they're just working. So when you have the storylines from the other, other teams, that's new and shiny and exciting and different. The Bucks being good and winning is not that much different than what they've been doing in the past. Exactly, Rob. So, so, so here's the question. Um, you know, the, the, the spotlight is being is shining elsewhere, and it's like, as you say, allowing the bugs to do what they do. Uh, the one thing, I guess, if we're if we're you know the, those media types, those pesky media types, yeah. looking looking for that thing. Um, you could say Giannis created a bit of a stir a couple of weeks ago when, in an interview with GQ. He mentioned that the future challenges to his NBA career might not be in Milwaukee. So my question is, does that make Milwaukee Deer District or Fear District? Uh, I still think it's Deer District. <laughs> okay. uh, I still think it's Deer District. Uh, Deer District. Uh, and, and, and I think one of the things with Giannis is that he's pretty savvy. Uh, and he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, it's, it's weird when you, it's not weird, but it's, it's endearing when he goes, I've never tried Oreos and milk before, you know? But uh, the, the other thing is like, he, if he's just coasting along happy all the time, it's like, then he has no leverage. He needs, you know, there's that push and pull between, um, between the players and management. And if he wants leverage he's kind of has to like keep his options open not that he's going anywhere anytime soon but you know um it, it, it we've seen situations in the past where it's just kind of exploded on people and on franchises i don't think it's going to happen here he seems to like milwaukee uh you know it, it it's where he started his journey in the nba um so uh yeah that might have been a little twinge of drama but it's kind of past. People haven't really like, oh my God, if we don't win this year, Giannis might leave in two. I, I've not, I haven't seen that. I just, I think people are focusing on the season and getting, getting wins there and positioning themselves for the playoffs and staying healthy. So, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's going to affect them going forward in the next year or two. There was a time when somebody like Giannis would, not necessarily Giannis, but it, but a, but a superstar player in a so-called smaller market would want to try and 
get out of that market because there would be more opportunities to earn off the court money, advertising, you know, endorsements, things like that. But that's not really the case anymore. I mean, you know, you can be in Portland and be Dame Lillard and you're doing Hulu TV ads. You can be Giannis, you can be all kinds of people. So really that's actually, that actually works uh, in in the franchise's favor. Uh, And, you know, Giannis also, like, as you said, seems to really enjoy the whole Milwaukee scene. So you earlier, earlier in this discussion, you mentioned Eric, name your colleague who mm-hmm. you work with closely at the athletic you yep. are one of his editors or you might be his editor his his personal editor you're like his yes like we, we, like we work you're together like tim, you're I'm like tim mccarver to steve walton you know you're or to okay. uh not steve walton steve carlton uh yeah. anyway mixing sports here anyway so eric <laughs> eric had a really interesting piece on Giannis a couple of weeks ago he focused on how his game has sort of evolved coaching staff has asked him to sort of slow down and take a picture of the plays yep. in front of him. And he seems to have further learned how he can affect the game without scoring. Do you see like, you know, concrete signs of that evolution and, and what does that look like? Yeah. And it looks like, uh, it looks like role players having big years. That's what it looks like. I think in the sense of, you know, uh, Grayson Allen finding himself open on threes. I, I, I was listening, uh, something the other day and it's like Grayson Allen's catch and shoot threes went from 60 to 72 percent or something like that uh because of the honest factor Pat Connaughton is it's open uh Bobby Portis it's open uh whether it be on the three-point line or in the dunker spot underneath the hoop on either block um you know uh he and Chris work pick and roll pretty well uh Chris finds him on uh entry passes so you know, Giannis was full speed, full speed, full speed. He was, just, you know, and then he was the battering ram. And then uh, the, the Raptors set up the wall in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019. And it became frustrating. And then 2020 fell apart in the bubble. And last year, when they needed him to be uh, Superman and score 50 in a game, he could. But there are also times where, you know, he was playing. He, he had that block on Aiton, you know, <laughs> uh, where he, he, he forces Booker to throw the lob. And then pirouettes and just rises 11 feet in the air and, and blocks Eaton. So he takes the guard, takes the center, not a problem. But uh, he, the thing with him is that he's he's learning. Like like we like we mentioned, he he has a lot of hardware. He's going to get more, and the reason he's going to get more is because he's going to become a complete player. If he isn't already, he's going to become a more complete player in the sense of you know being able to dish, being able to board. Uh, he can already lead a one-man fast break. Uh, it's just to see his evolution from the kid he was when he was drafted to where he is now. It's I don't know. He was not. He was not anointed. He is one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA right now. So, just because of the many things that he can do. You mentioned that uh, that block on eight in the finals, and it just feels like. I mean, I don't know what the what the NBA Finals montage leading into the you know, you never under never underestimate heart of a champion, heart of a champion, right, right. So you, you it just feels like that block is going to find its way into the montage of, of great moments in NBA Finals histories over the years yep. because it was just how, how iconic it was. Um, so you know, speaking and run to the to the to the title, you know, if we if we kind of rewind just a little bit more, a few mm-hmm. clicks back in the season. Um, mm-hmm. There were those pundits who, and even Bucks fans, who were ready to, you know, fire Mike Budenholzer. You know, you know, after every loss, it was like, yeah, let's get Mike out of here. Do you feel now with the title and it's, you know the, the validation, if you will, that there's um, 
that that he's that he's approaching this a little differently that he's looser and has a has just you know you mentioned playing you know the, the team playing with house money to to a degree do you feel like he's coaches is also in that same lane yeah he's he got the extension this offseason so that's good uh but i think he's learning too you know the the knock on him was that he was unable to adjust and he was not able to you know have Giannis break through that wall but you know, they added, they added, instead of having uh, four shooters out on Giannis, they, last year, they put what they call a dunker spot. And um, so it's an area on the baseline near the rim. And so instead of having four guys out and people being able to build a wall, somebody has to guard that guy on the baseline, which gives the Bucks that many more options on a play. Do they run that all the time? No, but you will see, if you watch a Bucks game, you'll see guys cutting along the baseline that Giannis or Chris or Drew can find. Um, so uh, by doing that, he op- uh, Coach Bud opened up the offense and ga- gave his guys that many more options. Uh, and, and and getting Drew is a big one, too. I, he, they didn't have him for 2019 and 2020. And it, just the strength in that guy. It's like he's 6'3", but he'd be a great linebacker <laughs> or a strong safety. Uh, the strength that he has, just muscle guy, big guys. Like he would, he would just, you know, he can back guys down and then step back and hit, hit in your face. He can distribute, he can rebound, he can run. Um, he's added another dimension that Bledsoe, uh, Eric Bledsoe, who's now at the Clippers, uh, wasn't able to add because Drew, while not an exceptional lights out shooter, can make his shots. And, and he's, it seems like he's ambidextrous near the rim. So uh, Bud has been able to use all of those guys and, and, and build on their strengths to make sure that there's not just one way to stop the Bucks if you're, if, if you're, if you're a defense. Hey, Rob, at the top of the segment, you mentioned, um, you know, because we hadn't spoken in, in, a, in, a, in a, I guess, a couple months, but you talked right. about, <laughs> talked about um, you know, the injury and the jinx and all that. And, and obviously now they've been to the mountaintop, won the title. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering on a, on a personal level, uh, and look, we all we all know we're all journalists here. And for those listening, you know, you you can you can be fair, and you can also be a fan. It, it is possible. Yeah. But having but ha- but having said that, uh, it, was there a moment where, because of your unique position at the athletic, at the athletic, either that night or or you know days later or weeks later, that, that something cool happened with respect to the the title and you know what what it, either what it meant to you personally or professionally or how however that might have worked out. Well, before I, I came to ESPN, I worked for NBA Entertainment. So real quick, I worked for the Bucks from 90 to 94 in the video department, and I would chart shots. And I charted shots for some of the worst Bucks teams in in their history. So that wasn't good. There's a gentleman who just, his name is Anthony Poulard, P-U-L-L-A-R-D. And I did shot charts for him. Look him up on Basketball Reference. He had like an eight-game NBA career. Nothing against him, but that was the kind of guys they were bringing in back in the day, back in the early 90s. Then I worked for NBA Entertainment. And so I was in my hometown for a team I worked for and an event for a league where I used to work and I saw a lot of my old friends. So I think the biggest thing from that was just people going, hey, congratulate. Because they knew I was you know, from Milwaukee. They knew my dad had worked for the Bucks for a while. And they just come up to me and go, hey, congratulations. You finally got one. Hey, way to go. This is kind of cool, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, I, I'm having a hard time believing this is happening. So seeing all those people uh, working with Eric Name and Sam Amick on, on the final stories and putting that book together, it was just 
it didn't hit me that night because I had work to do. But like when I started watching highlights a couple weeks later, it was like, oh my God, <laughs> this hasn't happened in 50 years. And I was there for it. And I'm very fortunate and lucky. And anybody else who was there for it and anybody else who was in the Deer District that night and anybody else who grew up a Bucks fan in Wisconsin or environs around Wisconsin, that was just one of those things where I don't think they ever saw it happening. And you know what? It could happen again this year. <laughs> That's the crazy thing is that it could happen again this year. They're well positioned to make another finals run. And yes, the Bulls are better. And yes, Brooklyn is where they are and you'd have to go through Golden State and, and, and Phoenix, but you can put them up there with the best teams in the league and they have a chance. I know exactly how you feel. I, I for, for those of you who are on this call, you can see that I just changed <laughs> my background picture to one of probably the third greatest moment of my life after marriage and <laughs> the birth of two sons was being there when the Celtics beat the Lakers in 2008 and almost catching the ball when uh, Glenn Big Baby Davis threw it straight up in the air at the buzzer, took one huge bounce, was coming down right to me. And then Cedric Maxwell, who is visible in that picture just below the camera, his face is obstructed. Max at <laughs> six foot eight, stuck his bit mid out and grabbed the ball and took my first potential NBA rebound away from me. Uh which I actually was on Twitter a few weeks ago and my friend, Mike Eisenberg just wrote a book with him. So we were kind of texting. So I said, so I hit, I hit Max and I said, you see this picture, you're in this picture. And he actually answered me. He's there. Where am I? And I told him <laughs> and I, and he's there. Oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> so I can totally relate. We're still little kids at heart. Right. Yep. And, and Otto, if the Knicks ever win the championship, no matter how old you be, you're going to feel that way too. <laughs> maybe 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 my grandkid <laughs> I, I feel for knicks fans I, I i really do i madison square garden is one of the greatest sports venues in the world watching a game there when the knicks are good it's so exciting uh and the fans are totally into it it would be a thrill if you're a true basketball fan it would be a thrill to see the knicks do something like that because the atmosphere is just amazing and i know bruce you're shaking your head because you're a selfish guy you got 17 uh but it, it's just it's one of those places where it's just it's different it's different when they're good it, i respect just, knicks fans i do they are amongst the most knowledgeable of yeah. basketball fans they truly are but yeah. you know i have some deep psychological scars going back to the early 1970s regarding that team they will yeah. never heal Okay. <laughs> I spoke to Dave Cowens about this. I spoke to John Havlicek, God rest his soul about this. Um, the 1973 Knicks were a fraudulent champion, Otto. <laughs> they should not have won that championship. The Celtics were better that year. But anyway, I digress. Were they 67 and 15? 68 and 14. That's 68 right. 68 and 14, yeah. yeah. Which at the time was the second best record uh, mm -hmm. ever after the 72 Lakers, who were right. 69 and 13, mm -hmm. I believe. So. Yes. Um, but I'm not bitter as Dan, <laughs> as Daniel Kramer, our producer would say, you're so bitter. It's like, I'm not, yeah, I'm bitter. I am bitter. <laughs> those things, those, those losses sting. They just Otto, do. And they last. Otto, Otto, am I, am I just being a total jerk about this? Should I let it go? You should let it go, but you know, <laughs> Hey, you, you know, fan, fan, <laughs> you know, 
first fan fanatic you know that's what this is where it comes from right so, exactly that's all good exactly all right i'll let it go maybe nah <laughs> <laughs> rob peterson of the athletic the foremost expert one of the foremost experts on the milwaukee bucks thanks so much for joining Otto strong and myself on catch and shoot 2.0 rob we love you you're the best man thanks again it was an honor and privilege to be here thank you guys for having me that was dope <laughs> And it's always good to talk. I mean, it's, it's good to talk basketball, but it's good to talk basketball with basketball fans, if you know what I mean. Like, like I love the energy that you have when you talk about the Celtics. I love the energy that that um, that Aaron has when he talks about the Magic, and I love the energy that Rob has when he talks about the Bucks. It's just, it's 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 just another level. And uh, so that that was that was special. Um, so one one thing we didn't discuss is how far do you think? I mean, it. it is this team, you think this team is, is getting back to the finals? You know, it's going to be a challenge for them. But now that they've sort of done it and they've decoded how it gets done, they have their big three. They have Giannis. They have Chris Middleton, who, by the way, really showed how valuable he was when he was yeah. out with the COVID. That team is so much different with him. He's like the, the kind of Zen guy on that team. You know, he's the guy that when he's, when he's out there, I think everyone else kind of feels like things are going to be all right. I totally see them in Brooklyn in the Eastern conference finals. And then who knows, but uh, I see, I see Milwaukee definitely in the final four. What about you? Oh, there's, there's no question. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see, I mean, you know, injuries knock on wood. I mean, that, that's, that seems to be, the thing that if, you know, if there were no such a thing as injuries, I would say that, you know, pencil them into the finals and, you know, to take their chances against the Warriors. I'm still kind of feeling like the Warriors will, will, will pull it out. But, but I think, I think if we were rewarded um, with Warriors bucks, we would be in for a treat. I mean, that would be, that'd be really special. Warriors bucks, Warriors nets would also be pretty cool. Oh, that no doubt. Be, no doubt. That would be, but, but uh, you know, I, I give Milwaukee the edge over Brooklyn probably a little bit because I, I, I mentioned only two of their big three in my first part of this comment. I didn't mention Drew Holiday, who's mm -hmm. certainly somebody that can compete with James Harden. Giannis and KD is kind of a wash. Chris Middleton, I don't know who his counterpart would be in that mix. They don't have Kyrie. So yeah, Milwaukee is very dangerous. They know how to do it. And quite honestly, um, I, would, I would be more than happy to see Milwaukee take down Brooklyn and then go on to the finals and play, you know, Golden State or have a rematch. Last year's finals wasn't bad either. So against Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the streaking Milwaukee Bucks. Well, there's another team that, that is streaking that is definitely not going to the NBA finals, <laughs> but, but they are playing well as of late. And that would be the Houston Rockets. Question mark, question mark. Um, they've lost 16 straight and now they've won six straight. So what's up with Houston? They always, one of the cliches that, is usually true in basketball is teams generally tell you who they are after about 20 or 25 games. So after 17 games, the Rockets were one in 16 with a 16 game, as you mentioned, losing streak in the last six games, they're six and oh, uh, of course that losing streak is very likely to come to an end really soon, but it kind of, it kind of tells me like we Maybe we really don't know who Houston is right now. They're not one in 16 team. 
they're probably not a 500 team. They got a long way to go from that. And I think you, you know, in our little discussion before we started, you pointed out that, yeah, they might be about to lose six in a row too, because they've got Brooklyn and Milwaukee for their next two at home. Then they go on the road for three Memphis, Atlanta, and Cleveland. And who did you say they had after that? Was it the Knicks? They have, they have the Knicks at home and then they, then they, you know, uh, a, a more conventional bull winnable game, you know, Detroit, but still, I mean, yeah, who, who, who the heck knows, but, but uh, but yeah, they, they've they've got a they got a, a a tough meaty run through the middle of the month here, um, so I'm not sure I'm not sure we're going to be talking about the the resurging uh, uh, rockets at this time, you know next uh, you know next time we next time we gather, but uh, you never know, right? Well, uh, as our producer Daniel Kramer has pointed out, uh, you know John Wall is still on that team, and again with all the young guys playing well, um, you know do they? Do they kind of keep him sidelined and, and, you know, let him sit on the bench or if they think they might actually be getting decent, do they want to put John wall back in and let him play a little bit? I mean, I have no idea. That's a very odd situation there. Uh, it is. I'm trying to get a sense of, of still what standings wise. Um, you know, I mean, like, I guess if you, if you're Houston, you, you want to, you want to, you know, you want to get to a playing game to, to, to give you guys, you know, that experience of, of, of doing that. Uh, and if you, and if that's what you're looking at, you're only three games back in that sense. Wow. And so, you know, can you, can you kind of somehow, you know, leapfrog a San Antonio, a Sacramento, and then either bump out a, a Portland or a Minnesota to, 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 to get a nine or 10 spot. I mean, what, what else, I mean, if you're Houston, what else are you really trying to do this year? No, I think, you know, they, they do have some really good young players. And if, again, I'm not a general manager, but they may now be ready to have like some veteran leadership to help those young guys grow because you don't want to have four young guys in the lineup. I mean, two is okay. That's how, you know, that's going to be your core couple guys moving forward. So, I mean, I don't know the it's, it's, I'm not even really sure what their direction is going to be, but it is kind of fun to see a team that was basically left for dead picking itself up a little bit saying, you know what, we're, you know, we don't suck this bad. We may not mm-hmm. be great, but we're mm-hmm. not this bad and, mm-hmm. and playing with some pride. So good for them. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. Well said. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. It is time to wrap things up for this week. Aaron Berlin, we hope you're feeling better. We want you back here next week. I don't want your job. I just want to hear you sounding wonderful again and be reunited with your buddy, Otto Strong. But thank you to Rob Peterson, my pal, our pal, friend of the show from The Athletic for joining us, talking about the Bucks And uh, Rob's passion really does come through. I mean, he is a true blue or a true green Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> fan. Thank you also to our wonderful producer, Daniel Kramer, and to our editor, Drew Rich. As for the rest of the Pure Hoops media team, this week, the Mike Wise Show has Greg Anthony of Turner Sports. And I got to tell you, that was a really outstanding conversation. It's up there now on uh, the Mike Wise Show queue on uh, in Apple or Pat podcast, Spotify, wherever you get them. He talked not only about his son, Cole Anthony, but he talked about Uh, the Kyrie Irving situation and his take on what's going on there was definitely compelling. It was much more of an interesting take than any that I've heard so far. So I'm putting the big tease on that. It'll also be in our uh, Mike Wise show quick hitter, which will drop 
Wednesday morning. So if you subscribe to our quick hitters, you'll get a notification when that drops. That was fascinating, Greg's take on that. So that's on the Mike Wise Show with Greg Anthony this week. Uh, Monica McNutt, King McClure with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. We'll hear from them hopefully on Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman with the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And Otto will have his boy Aaron back next week on Catch and Shoot 2.0. Otto. Yes, and before we leave you, just a final reminder, our big hope for this year is that every person on the planet gets the COVID vaccine and as well, their booster, whatever whatever it is here that is up next for you, uh, so we can finally put this pandemic to an end. But of course, we are not there yet. So protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and maintaining that physical distance. Uh, please don't forget the medical professionals and the other frontline workers who are doing their part to keep us safe. So for my partner this week, Bruce Bernstein, I'm Otto Strong. See you next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.